This episode of the Savage Snowflake podcast is brought to you by Boundless Technology. Boundless Technology strives to advance in the cannabis industry by creating innovative products with portability and stealth in mind. Aiming to deliver an affordable, efficient and straightforward experience for the consumer, Boundless offers an alternative to the traditional joint or water pipe. Enjoy the taste, smells and effects of cannabis at lower vaporization temperatures with Boundless Technology products. Use coupon code SAVAGE for 10% off all Boundless Technology products at bndlstech.com. Follow Boundless on all social media at bndlstech. And if you want to show your support for the podcast, head to patreon.com forward slash savage snowflake to donate as little as $1 a month. All right, Savage, let's get to it. Savage. What's going on, Savages? Welcome to another episode of the Savage Snowflake podcast with your boy, Jeff Adelicho. Joining me today is uh, probably the most sexually bearded man in comedy. Uh, Bronson Jones is a wonderful comic, a writer, performer, also used to be in the music industry and making music videos and all sorts. We're going to talk about all that over the course of the podcast. Sure. Uh, he's also my friend and runs an amazing venue down in uh, in Venice, in, in, in Los Angeles. It's called, what, the Venice Townhouse and underneath they have a night on a Wednesday called Venice Underground, which is a club that I've been very proud to play a number of times yeah. and I've seen some of my favorite comics actually performing there. Um, how are you, man? Life is good, dude. Life is really good. Fun yeah. to be here in your, your little uh, control, command center. My little command center. It's kind yeah. of, it's proper geeky, isn't it? It's a bit geeky. It's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the funny thing about you is you look like you should be a rock star, but somehow or another you became a comedian who plays video games. And you were like shocked how tidy my apartment is. I was like, your apartment, you were so OCD, dude. Yeah. I went to the bathroom and I was just looking around like everything's perfectly placed. Like, yeah, I have a friend right angles and shit. And, um, my friend and I went to a boarding school. Like I was a day student, but I had border friends. Okay. And we'd, we'd always, there was one guy, he had severe OCD. His entire apartment was, or his entire room was always just perfectly done. And so we'd go in his room and one of my friends would be talking to him and the other one would just go around and you'd slightly adjust bottles and, and like, you know, vitamin pills. Love that shit. Because he was into muscle building, so he had all kinds of like, you know, the protein sh- stuff. That shit makes me feel good. And uh, Like I feel good when I do things like that. It actually, yeah. the outs, the external, you know what it is, is the external world being in in its right place yeah makes me feel a little less bad about how the internal world is all over the fucking place that's so what well, makes that, it fair that's what ocd is and that's what uh you know like eating disorders and shopaholics and everything they're just trying to control a world that's out of control for them they're like i can control i can control one thing i can control my weight you know, yeah people who excessively bodybuild people who are anorexic bulimic is they're they're, they're trying to control the one thing because the rest of their life is out of their control i'm gonna bring this in front of you a bit yeah more. put there it in front of what are you hiding the beard there it is now i can hear you properly yeah um yeah, I do get that. I mean, it's definitely a control thing. I've thought for a while now that I'm a control freak. I think most comics yeah. are as well. Like, we're very particular about how we like to write, how we want people to respond, how we... You know what I mean? If a thing doesn't go the way you planned it, it can really get a comedian worked up. Whereas yeah. other people would just go to the job and go, oh, fucking Steve just screwed up accounts. You go, All right, I guess I just get on with it. Just get well, on with it. I read this interesting, uh, there's an interesting book called uh, The Mirror Effect. It's by Dr. Drew. And I didn't think I would like a Dr. Drew book, but he is a doctor and um, a psychologist. Okay. The whole Mirror Effect book is about narcissism and how our society is getting more and more narcissistic. And The Mirror Effect is like, so uh, Britney Spears or one of the, you know, because it was written way back then. Somebody will take a picture where, the, where they're getting out of a car and their panties are off. And then little girls will take that same picture later thinking it's cool to be like her, not realizing that that stuff's forever. And she's a celebrity. She's one of a kind now. They're 
you know, badges are out for the world. I mean, I'm never going to complain yeah. about sexy female celebrities yeah. falling out of cars with their knickers off. Yeah. So the interesting part about this book is... <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't get behind that notion. I'm fucking... Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's a better society now, that, that little... I miss... As long as they're 18-year-old, you're, you're good with it, 21, right? man. 21. Let's go 21. Just well, to be on just, the safe just side. Just be legal. You know, depending on what state it's from, I guess, is what you're really percent. But also, um, you know what there is? I think that we're missing a little bit of that. I miss when celebrities... The craziest thing celebrities did was like... Britney shaved her fucking hair off. Do you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Or Lindsay Lohan got a bit hammered and then fell out with her knickers hanging off. Like that, that was, do you remember when that was what it was? Now it's so-and-so is beefing with so-and-so. Oh, they got shot and killed. Or, you know, people are fucking <laughs> wearing Trump hats. Like yeah. there's a lot of lunacy that's got, it's got more and more crazy, I think. I think I think it is more. I think it's more internal craziness. I yeah. Mean, like it's not an external. Like I, I don't I don't know anything about Britney, but I assume that hair shaving thing. You is wear your crazy stuff. on the outside. I do. You got to wear it. On. So the whole point of this book, right, is the narciss. Nar- there's a an exam that psychologists give to their patients called the n- narcissistic personality inventory. Okay. And what it is is that's a. I think it's like 30-some question, forced choice, you either choose A or B. Like somebody right. gets in line in front of you at the supermarket and they have more than 15 items. Do you confront them? Do you not confront them? You know, what? like these kind of questions. What would you and, do? You confront them? No, I don't give a shit. You don't give a fuck if someone's got more than 15 nah, in just like, uh, 15 like, or less aisle. Like I have too much stuff in my in my life to worry about. I mean, there's so, a shades of gray with that stuff, right? Well, that's the thing. Like if someone's it's, got it's, like 17, I'm going to let that shit it's, slide. It, it's called a forced choice. So it's forcing you have to pick one or the other because it actually forces you in a box so they can judge your personality. <sighs> and in the end, what they do is uh, there's five different sections. One's like vanity. Like, you know, when you walk by a mirror, do you look in it? Based on your Instagram, you look in it. Based on mine, yeah, I, I have don't. Vanity. I have vanity, yeah. And uh, then there's another one called self-sufficiency. Like, how much input do you take from other people? And comedians, we take almost no input from other people. We're going to do this job. We're going to do it the way we do it. If they don't like it, they're stupid. I'll fix the joke later. You know, you I have to love a comic. I that category. I like yeah. if it's constructive, and especially if it's coming from better comics. Like, when they just yeah. some of the comics back home in New York, back home. I love how I talk about New York, New York is now your home. home. Even though... My real home is London, and I live in Los Angeles. I'm still like, well, I'm back home in New York City. Yeah, I I'm love New York. I'm a New York comic, yeah. man. I, I honestly, I've, you know, we, we ran into each other there last two weeks ago. Whatever yeah, it was, you last go week. out there a lot to New York, right? I, I was there every other month for uh, a year for the last year, and I loved it. It's like I had this really, really inexpensive room and an apartment yeah. in Harlem, so I was going back and forth. Have you and ever read Trans Metropolitan, a comic book series? No. A graphic novel series, and it's really, it's really fucking out there. It's a bit cyberpunky, futuristic okay. kind of stuff. Um, but the protagonist, I feel like you're him to some extent. So this guy, he's like at the beginning of the whole of the whole, vo- you know, first volume. He's up in the woods, and he looks like a mountain man. He's got the big crazy hair, and he's like a tough guy. He's like fucking proficient with guns and shit. He's a journalist. And then he comes okay. down to the city yeah. and gets all spruced up and shaves his fucking hair off and does that and does his stuff. And I feel like you're him a little bit. When I see you in New York, you're living that city life and you're all a fucking about it. But then I know that there's nowhere you're happier than in Hanano Burgers, you know, Hanano Cafe in Venice, just buried well, I, in a fucking cheeseburger. I will let you in on a sad fact. I'm getting bored of it. No, yeah, off, man. You know what it is? I've, I've little. I've been living. You're like 97 percent Hinano Cafe Burgers at this point. I, this is the saddest thing because honestly, every trip I go on, every every like, if I go to Edinburgh, if I go to New York for yeah. like, if it's more than a week, I always make my first stop at my house, dump my stuff, and then I go to Hinano. I take a picture of it and I, and I say home I'm because home. people actually have asked me, "Are you going to take a picture with the burger?" So it's it's this now it's become this publicity thing where I have to do it. And so now I'm kind of like, I don't want this burger just so because now I have to do it. So social media has killed your love of the burger. Yeah. 
That's fucked up. But I will say that I love, I do love that that bar, and I love the burger. I've just had too many of them. But I've started getting the turkey sandwich. So if you, if your listeners like Hanana, check it out. The turkey oh, sandwich. Oh, dude, I'm going for not I'm the burger, turkey burger. burger every day. Burger every day. Yeah, you that say shit's... that. You say that until you live in Venice. You for know when you go in a restaurant that's got. Well, this is the point though. That's what I love about it. You know when you go into a venue that's like clearly got a grill that hasn't been cleaned since the 60s and it's just i'm not suggesting their health and health codes are a, you know a below par i'm just saying it's, well, got, it's, the, it's got the fucking flavor of the grease it's of a like seasoned grill is what they call that it's like so like you know it gets a season of all the meat that you've so cooked he on throws it for a load of shit on there boom, 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 before he cooks no it no but, but it, it, it's that once you've cooked that many burgers on it for that many years is a little bit of the grease is is, in, is there. in there. Here's the thing, though. What, in, in about, more than just grease, I reckon there's a little bit of a number of different liquids on that. Yeah, thing. I lived, I moved, I moved there uh, 2005, 13 years ago. Okay, and the the grill was the original grill from the 1960s. I think they opened 60s. I love that. And uh, it broke, it cracked through the middle, and they had to replace it. And I will tell you, everybody was complaining and bitching and moaning about their burgers for about a, like about. Six months, yeah. and so they started just doing twenty-four hour shifts, just cooking burgers on it, cooking burgers on it, really working in there. So it tastes, it tastes the same now, but it was there was it was, was only the local, so you could just be like, it just tastes clean. It doesn't taste, it doesn't taste the proper level of just greasy beauty. It's got to have that fucking flavor in it. It's like it's yeah. like when you cook a. I like cooking um, pots of food for the week, right? Yeah. And when I cook some shit up, yeah, when you freshly cooked it, it's nice. But the day after, if you leave that shit on the stove and just let it mm, yeah. sit in the juices, the day after, that's when. Oh, you could touch well, I, I, I don't know why I went to play with my clitoris. It was, it was be- <laughs> I, I looked down expecting you to actually have a boner. Or, yeah. Or, be playing just, with a, or was like, oh my God, I just found out something new. You actually have a clitoris. You know what I really want to know about is pre-Venice Bronson. Because you're like, I don't know. I know you as, as this, as this beautiful yeah. mountain man, a lover of all people. Like very, You're very much a feature in Venice Beach as well. Like, yeah. Certainly, obviously, amongst the comedy community in L.A., but like you know, you know people, and everyone knows you. Yeah, yeah. People Ven- come to your shows and like leave tips in like fucking bags of weed or yeah, you know. Yeah. Venice is a small town. <laughs> it's a small town, a small beach town on the edge of a giant city. And, and if you want to get to know everybody there, you can. Like if you but move to Venice you and you're cool, you move there. Who was pre-Venice? Oh, I'll give you, you want you want the brief bio. I want to see. Yeah, I want to hear it. I, I was born it. into like an upper middle class family, like okay. country clubs, that sort of thing. Oh wow! And right. uh, my dad left when I was young, but we we moved in with my mom. We moved in with my grandmother, and that's a very country club. You know, we had a pool, we had a pool yeah. house. You know what I mean? Like, like, like if that if that house Dude. was in Bel Air, it would be worth so much money. But since it's in a little town in Pennsylvania, it's not. I wish I had a and, fucking um, pool house at my mom and dad's. Yeah, and so we we call it the Cabana. We threw Cabana jams. I, I went to elite prep school, not just an exclusive, an elite, like one of the top ones in the country. I just went to my thirty year anniversary, and I was so terrified I'd be the loser who's just a broke comic. Yeah, but it turns out you know two thousand eight was hard on everybody, and I'm they're all. Divorced, there's and probably like a few fighting of them for their divorce, kids. Exactly, lost like, the house, lost all their money, and they're, they're more like, like "You're, do you're doing do? an art." I tell jokes, smoke a load of weed, and fuck women in Venice, yeah. like you know. <laughs> and they're like, "I got a divorce and a mortgage yeah. and blah blah." It's like every grass is always greener, right? Yeah, the grass is so. But a lot of them have like multi million dollars, and they're complaining. I'm like, "Ah, oh, well, that that seems like a problem. I'd like to have. I'd like the same depression with more money. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome." But here's the thing: I was trying to work this out the other day. I was thinking about it. I too, I didn't come from like upper middle class, but definitely, you know, working to middle class. Like my parents were very working class and then my upbringing was definitely pretty middle class. Wait, let, let me just, because you oh, probably have, you yeah, probably yeah, have yeah, UK yeah. listeners. Our middle class is not your middle class. Your middle class is, is like the UK middle class or multimillionaires, et cetera. No, 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 no. 
Like isn't I thought it was royalty, middle class, no, working multi, class. Uh, middle class from my, like where we were at yeah. means we had like a, my mum and dad. You know, had a mortgage on a semi-detached home. You know, semi-detached house, and okay. and we would you know, but we had like you know three bedrooms, yeah. and and we like you know they they got enough money to build a little extension. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, for, yeah. for an office and a slightly bigger garage. You know what I mean? Like that's that's like I went to a private school like a posh school yeah yeah well not posh but a decent school oh, mine was posh. but I only got in because I got a scholarship so I got 50% off yeah, the yeah. school fees we couldn't have afforded it if it was the full price kind of thing like I was a day student because I lived close enough if you're a boarder the, the, currently my school is the most expensive school there is in the whole country so like if you pay but you don't well, it's amazing because you're like you went from this kind of oh, yeah, upper yeah, middle yeah. class pool house private school so like I'm gonna be the rock and roll mountain man of comedy and and live in Venice and you know yeah well we'll get to my encourage tra- people to all right okay we'll get to the transition no. so after all after right. after high school I went I'm to in. my first year of college I went to Johns Hopkins which is like you know one of the, the top schools I'm and my plan because, was sorry, to be you're a telling doctor me the story. I hate to interrupt you but when you tell a story I kind of want there to be Harry Potter music playing in the background and I, I want you to have like a cowl on and be like well in four score ago. <laughs> When uh, my beard grew out one day after casting spells all afternoon. Okay, so I went. I went to this school, and uh, there it is. And at this school, I realized that I was surrounded by nerds, people who only wanted to study all day. Where Fucking I'd say, idiots. "Oh, let's go out." It's Friday night. There's this bar right off campus where at 18 we could buy alcohol. Oh my god! And then what happened was this: my friends would say, "No, I have to study for a test," and I'm like, "It's Friday night." And they're like, "Well, I have a test on Wednesday," and I'm like, "Fuck you, nerds." So basically, I realized when you I did not want to be picture you skinning doing... and seasoning your own elk meat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm almost in the in a world where Bronson Jones gave a shit about his future. There you go. He went to an elite college, university, was surrounded by people who gave a shit so about their grades. What were you studying in college? What were you studying in college? I was uh, I was a chem- chemistry major. I wanted to be oh, a doctor, what? but they don't have pre med at, at Hopkins. What, dude? Okay. Oh yeah, and John, Johns Hopkins is one of the top med schools in the country, and so you go to a school like that, so you'd trans, you know, you'd go to a med school at Harvard or whatever. Okay. That was my track. And then you were like, "There's other medicinal shit that I'm a little bit more interested well, in." Well, what it was, I was just surrounded by people who didn't have fun because it was such a nerd school. Like I actually think to myself, if I'd gone to a, like another school at that caliber, which would be a Harvard, Yale, MIT, or something, there were more fun kids there. There were, there were the legacy kids, you know, the kids who had the money who just got in because their parents Musk bought buildings, kids, right? Where they're like, they're like, "Aha, I'm going to reinvent the wheel." Get a, yeah. a plane to the mo- car to the moon. Yeah, but Elon, Elon has like like autism or something because he's so nerdy. You know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. think you could sit there but and talk to him unless like you get a created flamethrowers. Oh. Like he's he's a kind of nerd that you want to fuck with. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? like you, he he would definitely. He I mean, can't smoke weed for shit, but he's smart as shit. He's changing the world. I'm a big fan of he's what he's doing. He's got a fuck island. You know, he's but, got a fuck island. Yeah, but you know what else he does? Is he does things like not realizing there's repercussions to him calling somebody yeah. in Thailand a pedophile, not realizing that that might be a problem. And then doubling Unless down. that person is a pedophile. Yeah, and then doubling down, which means he, he better be spending his money finding uh, some proof so that he can nail the guy when the guy sues him. I, um, I didn't hear that story. You didn't hear that story? What did he, who did he call a pedophile? So they had, remember the 13 uh, soccer players? They got, they got lost in that mine, the little kids. They got lost. They oh, got the children, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trapped yeah. In, in the cave. Right. And um, so, you know, it became this global Someone news. Someone was going to uh, uh, try and help them out. He offered to make some tube, whatever. Yeah, he, and they he went, made some tube submarine, it. and they were like, this is useless because it's in a cave. You can't get the... T- you're just in the way. They're like, Elon, just get out of here. And so one of the main rescuers was saying, yeah, Elon was just in the way, and, and like, you know, he wasn't what he was doing wasn't helpful, and he just wouldn't shut up about it. And that, so Elon turned around and tweeted... 
oh, you know, whatever. He's a he's a such and such pedo. And then that guy's like, uh, somebody goes, you can't call somebody a pedo. And he goes, I will bet you as much money as you want that he is. And so, like, yeah, he's so he's currently getting sued. It's some it's some former like. I want to say he's from the UK, like like a Navy SEAL or whatever your your equivalent would be from the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A guy who in his forties moved to Thailand, but you know Elon's like, what what man in I his forties moved to Thailand unless they're there to fuck kids? There were a lot of nonces in the UK, you know, pretty much yeah. our entire BBC. In terms of oh, yeah, like, yeah. all of them were fucking children, so he could be a, if he's British. Who was who was the who was the uh, the one the huge Jimmy Savile? Jimmy Savile, yeah. Jimmy Savile. Those of you American listeners won't know who the fuck Jimmy Savile is. Was a uh, TV host of like what our top forty type hits show, you know, the hits kind of thing. Yeah. When in the sixties, seventies, then he was on this show called Jim will fix it, which was for kids to come on to. They sit on his knee and they go, I, I'd like to have a day where I get to pretend like I'm in the army. And he goes, all right. And he raises this fucking thing for the kids and he fixes it for them. He makes it yeah, happen. Yeah. But he was like a benefactor, a philanthropist at all the children's hospitals to the point where he insisted that he got given keys to the children's dorms and it was the fucking 70s and people just went oh okay famous jimmy savile blah blah blah. and it turns out this guy was running a fucking pedophile ring like really deep rooted pedophile ring and had all these connections in the police (coughs) and with the monarchy and then the motherfucker even did a documentary with louis through which is a very interesting watch uh louis through's weird weekends with jimmy savile and i've seen a few of those guys shows they're incredible that dude's louis through's amazing he's so amazing but he um he went and spent a weekend with him jimmy savile all but sort of acknowledged that there could be truth to stories but no one could do a fucking thing about it over the course of this documentary and then the guy died before they brought any charges or anything he just he was like peace i fucked a whole load of kids see you later i'm out but there was a whole like lower darker level where apparently they were taking children from hospices for a weekend away in Jersey, which was kind of out of the jurisdiction of Britain. And also, Jimmy Savile had a very wealthy home in Jersey. If you do, it's a tax haven. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. So this motherfucker had... He had his own Neverland ranch. He had clout. And he'd take (laughs) these kids out, and some of them just never came home. And the idea is that they took kids out, they fucked them, and then they buried them. They found bodies. They found bodies. They found bodies there? They found some bones in a pit, in a communal pit. It was pretty fucking... I, I, pretty I, knew, I, I knew there was touching stories. I didn't know there was murder. No, I think there was, like, children rape and murder. Yeah, he was... He was, Jeez. I mean... But could he wear the fuck out of a tracksuit? Let's yeah. be... But let me, let me ask you, how many bands did he break? How many bands did he make more spectacular? Did he, how many of those bands were fucking kids backstage when in the 60s when 15-year-old girls came back and went, you yeah, know, I'm definitely 16. Yeah. And then they fucked him because the girl was doled up. I just, I, you know what? The, I was, scary, I was in New York. Scary. I forget who the guy is. There's a guy in New York and they have, they have something. It's all about Hollywood scandals and, their, their yeah. whole, and all these conspiracy theories. And I was sitting there talking to them one day and they started blowing my mind about that there's allegations against some of the, the biggest top directors, right. you know, the, the people who directed my favorite movies in the world. And those, he's, he's like, well, we, we're not really sh- sure, but there's a lot about it. You, do a have lot a, of you stuff. are a huge fan of snuff porn films yeah. though, aren't you? So it's, it's hardly surprising. <laughs> then he started telling me about who, I forget which guy it is is one of the guys in the eagles and that there's a uh you know the, the band. story about him yeah yeah and uh that there's all these stories about how he brought these two like 14 year old he picked them up at the bus station brought them up to their house there's all these polaroids and when one of the girls left she stole two a couple of polaroid pictures and it, you know it's sort of like there's there's physical proof and yeah somehow or another these guys survived the whole like you know like pedophilia and it's, the I mean, me too movement hasn't hit them and everything i'm else. not sure if like uh if pedophilia is going to be the source of Mm-hmm. Our best comedic uh, banter, but like on that subject, man, you know what is fucking 
his was, I think, kind of fucked up. I'm so glad I wasn't doing well in the 60s or 70s as a 21-year-old, 22. I got into TV at 24, right? Did you? Okay. So, because these guys, when they were rock stars, they were like on the stage in their fucking spandex. Girls yeah. in the audience are like 15. Obviously, legal age is 16 in England, but 15 and 14-year-old girls would dress up. And if a girl was developed... Yeah, yeah. And, you know, mature physically and didn't look her fucking age, she could turn up to these gigs and they'd go backstage and they'd go, yeah, I'm 18 or whatever, or 16, and they go, all right, fuck it. And, you know, if you're a rock star, you're not checking ID. Yeah, yeah. But you, 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 could, you could be 21 in a shit-hot rock band, fuck a girl six years younger than you, and then be a pedophile now. Yeah. And that, I think, I think is... I think that still makes you a pedophile then. Uh, what, yeah, no, it does. If you could... Le- yeah, sure, sure, no, 100%, you're right. But if you could legally... If they yeah. anyone was going to make any of those claims or whatever, then. But what I'm saying is now people retrospectively will go blah blah blah. Now there's plenty of fucking Jimmy Jimmy Savile was fucking children. Yeah, yeah he was. Right? Going, I mean, <laughs> he was going. He Come was, here, sit on my knee, and after filming, mm, there we go. Right. I fixed it from my finger to get inside your butthole. I will use this to segue us out of the yeah, pedophilia yeah, yeah. range. Let's get out of the pedophilia. Into what else is weird? I'll tell you what the weirdest thing about Los Angeles. Oh, necrophilia. What about that? Eh? This this has to do with my uh, a friend of mine so that I can't get too specific, recently did a shoot, a okay. film, film shoot, TV shoot. Okay. At the, uh, Amy Schumer. All right. So and what uh, they needed to have these these kids that they wanted to, you know, sort of give like a make-a-wish, but not quite a make-a-wish, something similar, like treat, treat some Make really, a regret foundation? Treat, treat some really, really uh, ill children well, give them and put put them on this TV show. However, um, <sighs> to do it, they had to shoot at, uh, I believe it was Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. I'm just going to say I believe that, but it was. And... Okay. Um, so when they go over there to shoot, they're like, oh, uh, you know, they're walking around the, the, the hospital wards and they're kind of looking around, you know, the, the crew, they're scouting. And they're like, oh, well, we have, we have standing sets. They have standing sets that are set up to look like a bedroom. And they have another one that look like an OR. So basically, Los Angeles is so film friendly that even the hospital has a separate room that's perfect so that everything in it can be properly set designed for them so to, that they can film in it. To fucking, and, you know, to fucking yeah. take advantage of sick kids and then and shoot them. And then, so part of me, part of me, the, the, the cynic goes, that's disgusting. Part of me goes, okay, maybe it's so that, because apparently it's in a separate building across the street. Apparently oh, it's to so keep the crew see- away from the kids and you know what I mean? Because there's, there's a lot, not like because they might be sick, they're adults, you know what I mean? Like the, like You're going to have the union like, in your back, bro. You're accusing... Like, <laughs> But to to keep basically DPs, the noise, all fucking kitty fish, the noise and the and and the added the factory that is a film shoot to keep it out of the children's ward so that the hospital can function as a hospital. But I just love that they have standing sets for whatever you need a nursery. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you need a bunch yeah. of babies, they can also go out and get you all the babies. And then, but here's the part that really was creepy. Yeah, is um, they uh, want needed some sick kids that they can help. But you know, they they always have to background check the parents, make sure there's not a, a lot of weirds like go through their we social media. Like, in England, you do a CRB. I had to do that for yeah. TV shows with when I was yeah. doing youth shows, you especially know? when they're, they're trying to promote like you know bring some celebrity into to hang they out. They want with to know you haven't pulled your dick out near a school yard. Yeah. Do you know, what they, I mean? they just need to know there's not going to be a scandal that comes out later based on yeah, the, the kid yeah. that you picked, based on their life and things you could never foresee. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so they do that. They 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 pick a kid based on. <laughs> Some executives, friends, friends, and uh, when they told the hospital, like, "Oh yeah, no, we we picked the kid," they're like, "Ooh, oh, we wouldn't have picked that kid." And um, later, they're like, "And that was kind of all they said." Nobody, they didn't push it, and they're like, "No, we would have helped you find a different kid." And it's it turns out because that kid probably isn't going to make it, and so they're like, "You, you don't." 
that becomes the second story, which is, oh, remember that little kid that met that celebrity and how awesome that was and how incredible that was? Ryan they, Gosling's they died. Met, met a child and killed them with his yeah. good looks. Or it's like, you know, it just becomes the, the, the article in People magazine or something where they're like, don't you kind of want a feel-good story? Because this is not going to end up being a feel-good story. And now there's a race to the clock to get the thing on air before, before things That's happen. That's so fucked up. You know I what I mean? Like, like, but I kind of get it, but it's also like, you say you don't want to give a good day to a kid who's not going to make it. Yeah, you're like fuck it, man. You're 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 tainted goods. You're tainted meat. You're all, you're on the way out, dude. I mean, that, surely that's the kids you definitely want in there. Yeah, you would think. A to like push the boundary of hey, listen, look, these kids are sick. This little kid's passed away. We got it. We need your fucking money right now. Come and support the children's hospital. Yeah, but, but also it's not I great mean, for marketing. <laughs> also, but I mean, from a from an LA point of view, from a Hollywood point of view, I mean that kid's gonna look really sick. He's gonna he's gonna turn up yeah. and and give deliver the fucking best performance of his life. Yeah, because but, he's only got two weeks left of it. But, but what happens if, if the editing takes a while and by the time it airs, it actually has to open with a in memoriam of the kid you're about to see? That's even more. Boom, <laughs> boom. You've made the fucking film that's going to get people to put their hands in their pockets. At the end, you have a picture of Ryan Gosling cuddling the kid and then it fades to black and it just says, you know, rest in peace, Steve, whatever the fuck his name was. <laughs> 1999 2018 I just I just love that they're like we wouldn't have chosen that family I mean it's pretty caustic isn't it but at least you know they're trying to save time and energy on on reshooting stuff they don't want to have to go oh fuck it what Philip died you need him for three days I don't know he had really aggressive cancer we should probably have gone for the kid with measles but so we moved to dead kids that's at least and that's how we made dead kids mildly amusing Mm mm-hmm it's never fun to... Uh, you know what I uh, broke my little heart um, was that lady talking about her kid in that shooting here in LA. Yes. And the fact that he survived... He, f- he survived the fucking mass shooting in Texas. He was at that concert. Oh, what, the Vegas 50, yeah, 60 yeah. people got killed, 50, didn't they? 57, I believe. 57 people got killed. And he made it out of that alive, comes back to LA, and then, what, a year and a half later get shot in a fucking sh- and she just goes and, and I loved it I loved it because it's the first time I don't month, want your thoughts goes, I, don't I don't want, want your, your prayers thoughts, I don't want your prayers I want some fucking gun reforms yeah. loved it loved it but yeah. I hate that she had to go through that pain to be able to get that message to be so poignant that one killed me and also there's there's a guy probably about 50 wearing a baseball cap and his son died in there and, and uh, just him like watching him just lose it and cry because you know men aren't supposed to cry and he yeah, you know yeah. what I mean like just just seeing that like it, it, just the loss that he experienced. It makes like, me not want to have children. I don't want to have kids anyway. So, and I love children. I would really like to have kids, but I'm terrified about bringing them into this world. Do you do? Wait. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's irresponsible. How do you think you're going to die, man? Me? Yeah. Heart attack. You reckon it's going to be a heart attack? Yeah, probably. Heart attack. Not if you're cutting down on the old Hanana burgers. You switched <laughs> over to the turkey sandwiches now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Allergies. Allergies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, allergies going to kill That's allergies. a big killer out here in LA. Allergies. Every summer, there are people who just go, oh, this might be it for yeah. me. And then you end up on one of those videos in a fucking hospital and Ryan Gosling turns up. Well, you know what the worst part is? Because I've, I've led my whole life assuming that I would die young. Like, I like I didn't think I'd make it to 40. Now I'm almost, now I'm almost 50. But you're, I, I and, see uh, you moderating your health. Like, you're getting more healthy. Like, comedians you, are famous you, for being you unhealthy. Been, you, did I tell you that all I did today? You were like, what did you do today? I'm like, I woke up at 9, laid in bed, and I was like, I don't get, I'm not getting out of bed until noon. So they just kept going back to sleep. And then all of a sudden at one thirty, I almost came canceled you because i kept going in and out of sleep and i'm like oh, i could just do this for hours i found all this great music you didn't even on- jerk off today yeah i did that too jesus there you go yeah I do that every day dude every day man get, get the bad spirits out two or three times a day 
I think that there's so much testosterone in the world that that like if people would just because you can't you can't be angry after sex. Like I don't care how mad you are at everything in the world. Like once you actually lose a nut, you can be angry. Ju- in fact, it's better during to be angry sex, just before during sex, you can be angry. Yeah, yeah. This is not what I paid for. Mm-hmm. This is not what I'm going to have to pay for yeah. after the fact. Uh, I just Madame, think, I ordered a brunette. Once, like literally, once you blow, you're like, oh, and you just want to lay there for five minutes. And I think if the world just did that all the time, I think like the incels, these guys are running around shooting <laughs> up places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this because they, they, nobody's telling them just jerk off. If you can't get some jerk off and maybe if you calm down, you get some. You know what I um, would love to see? Because you're very right. And the best, the most, the most honest time in any person's life is when they've just bust a nut. Yeah. Male or female, when they've just come if girls want to find out shit about me, that's the time to do it. Like, wait until I just bust a nut and be like, hey, do you really see this guy? I'd be like, oh my God, I mean, yeah, probably not. But I mean, you know, it's just, isn't it lovely? To like, I'm well, so relaxed. That's why pillow talk happens. That's why, like, like yeah, Matahari and these people, they, they spill state secrets because they just lost it and they're just like in this, this <gasps> they're in this oxytocin haze. This is where we store the nuclear materials. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should have, an, there should be like an antechamber before going into any kind of congressional meeting or state senate, you know, coming like a jerk off chamber, and there's a yeah, there's a little, you know, a little jerk off, and it's all like tinted, blacked out, and everyone has their own little booth, and they just go in there, and you know, one of those or like flip uh-huh. the bean, boom, mm-hmm. and once they're done, there's some moist towelettes, mm-hmm. boom, 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 a little spritz, you know, something, a little antibacterial hand wash, and then everyone comes through. So it's and a, just debates in a kind of really relaxed a, way, like a masturbatory mandate, a masturbatory mandate. There you go. I fucking love that. That's uh, I think that I think the I think the world's problems would be solved with that. I also think if you put puppies in all of the different trade ah, negotiations, a lot of cat people out there, and if you put in uh, if you put uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, I literally wrote that in a journal once. I was eating Krispy Kreme donuts, and I go, you know what? There's no way. What about soothing music from an Asian massage parlor playing mm-hmm. in the background, just gently? Yeah. Oh, so that's what I was telling you. Is all this music I, I found on my phone is all these like flutes and whistles and all this Asian music stuff. And so I've just been sitting there putting my YouTube on it, and I just lay there. And every time I wake up, I'm like, I'll just meditate again. And I'm, I'm considering sleep meditation. Are you the purest form of what people think comedy is? <laughs> what a lazy dude who doesn't do anything anymore. Well, you're not. See, first of all, that's well, not I true. was. You do. do I things, used to be. But everything you do is very focused around comedy or the pursuit of comedy or putting on a show or writing stuff or traveling to do comedy. Yeah. But then also, yeah, you do have the kind of like, hey, I woke up at nine, lay in bed until noon, jerked off check some emails, came and done a comedy podcast, go and do shows tonight. Like you, but it's like, that's what comics do. Smoke a little weed, write some jokes, go and do comedy. Yeah. Well, I'm not a good writer. I, here's the weird thing about me, because we were talking about my history. Okay. So I'll get back into it. So I went to college. I realized that I did not want to stay at this university with these nerds. I told right. my mom I was going to drop. I go, college isn't for me. I'm going to drop out. And she goes, no, 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 no. You just pick a more fun school. Yeah. You picked a total nerd place. You're not, you're, you you can keep up with them academically, so but you, they can't keep up with you socially. So I transferred from there to the University of Colorado Boulder, which is one of the top 10 party schools in the whole country. It's what a very it? good... Oh, top 10 party, as in party, like, woo! Yeah, as in like... See you in the quad, bro! Like, yeah, like, but, but more like, uh, so that's more surfery. Were you part of the frat? No, 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 no. I was, I was part of the you guys. You Gamma, Beta, Zeta? No, my issue with the frats is I always thought it was like buying friends, and a lot of a lot of guys I talk to after the fact, they're like, I spent a lot of money to have those friends. Like, why couldn't we just all live in a house together without all of the financial duties? Um, but long story short, I ended up finding really fun friends who would go out and drink all the time. I got great grades, but uh, I switched into um, I switched into film studies for one major or for one uh, bachelor and uh, journalism for another one. 
And then afterwards, I decided I wanted to stay in Boulder in Colorado and work in film. And then I moved out here. So basically, my life at, at 18, I changed the entire course of my life, which was always, I'm going to be a doctor, yeah. like my dad, to I'm going to go to party school, to I'm going to do crazy shit. And then my first 13, 13 years here, 18 years here, I worked in production, like commercial production, music videos, you know, movies, music videos, TV. Like, yeah, you did well in yeah. that industry as well. Yeah. And what it is is because when I was 25 and I moved here, I moved here at 25. Mm-hmm. I would do the thing where every single day I'd, there was a book called the uh, LA Four and One, okay, which is LA Information. It was all the people who worked on short form commercials and music videos, like okay, short like basically people who worked in that industry rarely work in TV, well, like rarely work in industry, film, eight, uh, like a phone book of industry yeah, yeah. contact, and it was yeah. thick. It was like two and a half, three inches thick. It's now it's all online, so nobody uses it. But I would go through it literally, and I was calling production managers, and I would I would, I would call down the entire list, and I would highlight them yellow, yeah, if I had left a message, orange if I talked to them, red if I was going to meet them. You know okay. what I mean? And so literally, my whole book just got filled in. So I was that guy who was making all those calls, very directed. And within a year, I was directed my first. Within a year of getting a production here, I directed my first music video, nice. and a year after that, with my first commercial, worked my way up to producer, which is kind of in charge of the. Uh, getting everything to the set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the director's in charge. The producer gets everything there oh, for him, and jobs, the AD bro. runs everything. <laughs> I've worked in production. I know, but maybe your listeners need a little. Uh, nah, what what is an right, assistant right, director do? Exclusively, everyone who listens is a producer or a director. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have seven listeners, and, and so uh, um, I'm just trying to get jobs. That's what it is. Yeah. So I did that. I was very successful at that until and stand up was kind of a hobby I did like way back, and then I quit. For five years, because it would be the thing where I get a phone call, hey, we need you in New York tomorrow. Like I had a jump bag, you know, you have one of those yeah, bags yeah. that's always packed, so you just grab it and go to the airport. And uh, what then, did you look like when you were twenty five? Did you have the big beard and the hair? When I was twenty five, I had long hair, no beard. Okay. I couldn't grow. Like I, the, I was, had, I hadn't filled in my cheeks yet, and but I had long hair, a little bit longer than yours, slightly. Really, it looked terrible. You see some great pictures of me with awful hair. Um, did you have a tan? Were you like cut? Were you like? I was never cut. I used to be real thin. I used to be super thin. I didn't fill out to my late twenties. Really? Like I'm a, I realize now I'm a monster of a human being, but I used to be like very thin. Like I mean, you if, are. You, know, you are. You know. I'm big. You're a tall dude as well. You're taller than me, I think. I'm, I'm six four. What I'm you, six seven. Six seven, and and you're like a broad guy as well. You're like yeah. a big dude, yeah. But I didn't feel. I used to look like uh, if if you have comedy listeners, like I used to be like Kirk Fox or mm-hmm. Chris Porter, like really really tall thin. Yeah. Where from a distance you can see I was tall. People can't tell how tall I am until I'm right on them now. I feel I'm, like I'm, I'm one of those I'm magic iron posters. They can't quite yeah. at first. They're like, well, oh, it's a fucking sailboat. Yeah. But again, I, here's the crazy thing. I didn't know how big I was until I was in my 30s. And I went home and all my high school friends were around. And, uh, or, you know, people from my local town. Yeah. And uh, we took this photo in my kitchen. And uh, one of me and all my friends and one of me and one of my best friends who's a small guy, right? Okay. And this is back in the day where you don't get your pictures back. They prefer back. the term little person. Well, he's not a little person. He's just oh, a smaller. Just a small, just Napoleon complex. Yeah, but he's actually probably the funniest person I know, way funnier than virtually any comic I've ever met. Fuck off. Who? Yeah. What's his name? His name is Mike. Mike Maspola. Not Mike Maswala. Everyone knows Mike Maswala. <laughs> you know what, though? The funniest people in the world are not comics. They're, oh, yeah. they're the guys at the end of the bar who've been telling stories for fucking 50 years. But they're this, comics, they just don't know it. This guy could, could, could leave our house and be like, oh, I'm going to go pick up ice for the party and come back. And he'd have like a 20-minute tale and he was only gone for four minutes. And you're like, how did that story get so good? Drugs. In four minutes. Drugs. And, um, but... You know, you got to control it to be a comic. It's a different animal, but man, I wish he's the one guy I know. And people say that all the time, like, "Oh, my friends say I should be one." And as a comic, yeah, I'm always yeah, like, yeah. "No, you shouldn't." He's the one guy I know who I'm like, "God, if I could train him." But he here's would the deal: you know what? 
will happen. I, my friend Seth is like that. He's so fucking funny, and I and everyone like as soon as he meets people, you probably met him in New York. Big Viking looking dude with a big beard. Yeah, know, yeah, because he's the guy who told me to use coconut oil on my beard. There you go. And that's what I do now. I have oh, really? coconut oil in my car. I have it in my house. It's nice, right? Yeah, it is nice. It smells good. Keeps it good. Smells good. Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely one hundred percent know who you're talking about. So Seth, he changed is, my uh, life. Yeah, and he's a fucking uh, he's a he's a he's a, a therapist with kids in the Bronx. Like this guy's a like sweet fucking big gentle giant oh. type thing. Like you, you know, he's got a good guy, good heart, um, but looks like huge. That guy, though, I know that if you put him in front of a room on a stage with a microphone, all of his comedy would just... It would just... Yeah. You wouldn't be able to get it out. But you put him in a fucking bar at How, two in the morning. However, if you took him out and did open mics for a year, I bet you he could do a thousand people with no problem. <sighs> Shit, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a craft. It's, yeah, it's something you get better I, and better and better and better and better. Like, it just, as soon as he's put on the spot, as soon as it's a performance rather yeah. than just honest, he clams up and finds it very uncomfortable and i think you need that you need to be able to be funny but also be comfortable in that world you can't well, let, can you learn that if you look at like the best storytelling comics whether it's whether it's like ari shafir or, or Bert billy Connolly. Or, or, yeah like well but billy's f- so much improv but i'm saying like somebody who's like working on a set and they're working big, towards their hour as well is, if it, they didn't immediately just step up on stage and start telling stories that well, it took yeah. them years and years to actually get back to being just who they are as a person with yeah. a microphone. Like, I'm, I'm more me with a microphone now on stage than I am actually even doing this or, or doing something that's not recorded because I'm like, I know that I'm in control. It drives me crazy when I'm trying to tell my friends a story in, like, real life and they start interrupting and stuff because I'm like, God damn it, I got to hit the next beat. Whereas with the microphone, and I realize this, nobody's going to stop it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fully in control. I'm not self-conscious. And I, I realize even if they don't like me, I don't give a shit. The story's great. They're going to like it by the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that took years and years of getting on stage over and over and over again to know that, because especially with my Venice show, if something happens to me on the way to the show, I'll just jump right up and tell the story. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how course. it's funny yet, but it will. I'll, I will figure it out by the time I get off that stage. Oh, I believe, I'm a big believer in finding the funny. I don't know if that's indicative of comics like you and I, who are maybe a little less, a I'm, little more lazy when it comes to the writing of stuff. Yeah. Like, I like writing through performance. So yeah. I'll come up with a concept and maybe a tag or a punch that I think is is the bit. And then yeah. I just tell the story like that. I like that too. I, I drive myself crazy because when I started comedy, I used to be word for word. Like like right, okay. Seinfeld was my my idol. And if people watch me now, they would see no Seinfeld in this at all. You yeah, know? yeah. And everything was written. You used written. to do a lot of Jewish Every, humor, didn't you? When yeah, you oh, yeah, yeah. Out. yeah, yeah. It was all about... It was oh. All about. <laughs> That's how you started every set. Oh, yeah. Just with like a Jewish desperation sound. Oh. I was at five bar mitzvah. But... Uh, is what happened is is everything was scripted like that, and then I quit comedy for five years because uh, like I told you. Why did you about, quit for five years? Because I told you my, my production got so I was I was so busy with oh that with work just took off. Okay, sorry. That I you know you you cancel enough gigs, you don't get booked anymore. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And so then you stop booking gigs, and so then the economy shit itself in two thousand eight, and I decided I'd go back and just do comedy, something to do. You know, you're like fuck it, everyone's poor. And uh, I'm going to do a poor man. Well, there's show. no work, so I'm like, let me keep myself entertained at night, and within a couple months. I realized I love that more than I love producing for sure and directing in general. Yeah, directing every now and then was the most fun job I've ever had, but only specific jobs where you realize you were creating a work of art. Ninety percent yeah. of it is you're just moving. You just you, it's like does this person look good with this bottle? And that's all they give a shit. Are you not attempted to do some directing of comedy then? If that's like you know you've got the skill set and you obviously yeah. have a deep passion for comedy. You well, just direct your own productions, man. Like that was on. that was my initial plan. Was I'm going to take a little I'm going to take a little hiatus from 
shooting commercials because I had a lot of comedy commercials. Yeah. And what I'll do is I'll get really good at comedy because that'll help. That'll give my scripts more authority. Like, oh, he's a comedian. The yeah, script yeah, must yeah. be good. And I'd be better at pitching. And that's true, too, is I, I got way better at pitching. Costs, like drugs. And... Yeah. <laughs> I discovered that. Uh, yeah, I lost my motivation. So I'm not like that. I'm not at 45. I keep telling myself, be at 48. I keep telling myself, be that guy who you were when you were 25. Are you 48 years old? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know you were that old. Okay. Oh, I look great, dude. Yeah, there's a look, lot. Which there's... is weird. You're going to be like, you're like fucking Iggy Pop or, you know, you're like that pickled, always going to look good until he's fucking 80. But then people will be like, do you know what he put in his body over the course of his life? I think if you drink alcohol enough that it actually, it's sort of like, uh, it's, it's almost like it keeps it preserved. You know what I mean? Like, you know how you put things in alcohol, like in, yeah, in, in yeah. a laboratory? Yeah, that's... Or that's, formaldehyde, that's, I guess. That's uh, <laughs> someone who knows medicine as well. That is a fucking lie. You're, yeah. you're lying to yourself. I thought that for years. Like, oh, man, sometimes after a really heavy night out, I wake up, my skin looks actually pretty good and just like flat. But I know I'm just killing myself inside. I, I, I truly believe the thing to youth is, hey, genes help a lot. Weed, Genetics man. help a lot. I'll say that about I don't, weed. I don't smoke weed. I eat it. I don't smoke it. All right, but I'll say like like weed cannabinoids fucking yeah. great for you. There's like you know they they reduce cancerous tumors. Like I they, so you know what they do is they reduce stress. Here's the deal: is my friends who most of them who have a wife and a kid and a house and a job. Yeah, they're so stressed all the time, paying for all that stuff and all those things are going well, awry and trying to hold on to them. For as well, and if they just stayed single their whole life and just like just basically had no accountability to anybody or anything that would stay young forever. I've got a friend called Rose in uh, in New York City who you also might have met. She's 86 years young. The little lady goes to the comedy cellar all the time and she dances upstairs. She's my like surrogate Jewish booby. She's she's amazing, amazing soul. One of my best friends back there. Um, but she has smoked weed her entire life and then yeah. she damaged her throat. She used to be a singer in like mafia clubs in New York City and she uh, fucked her throat up so now she eats cake Every day has a nice big slice of cake and goes out in the evening. She sleeps most of the day, gets up and goes dancing and hangs out. She's, and she's, she's I'm already leading her life. Dude, you'll be her then. I mean, she's had two hip replacements in the last year and she's up and running now. And she's fucking dancing again. But that chick is so happy. But the two things she never really had much of was yeah. relationships. Like she was very, she wasn't that interested in sex, first of all. And she also says that I shouldn't reveal all her personal life, but you know, it's scientifically, this is what she did. She smoked weed and always had, well, she smoked weed and was very, didn't have a huge amount of stress. She always looked at the world through a kind of rose tinted, no pun intended, eyes. Yeah. Um, and then she also didn't have the stress of a fucking lunatic that you're in love with, fucking with your head. Oh, you yeah, yeah. Like, by, but she had one big love. But then beyond that, for the last, you know, that was later in life as well. Yeah. Like, for the last 20 years, she's just been, I'm just doing me. I'm just happy to do me. I don't want love. I don't need people in my house. I want to just chill, eat some cake, listen to some music, go out dancing, be around friends when I choose to, and uh, and get some good rest. I think I think she's eighty six. She looks about fifty. Being active and being social, are, I think, are huge things. Like when I see people, when I, I know people, you know, because we're comedians. So many comedians they come out, they do the comedy, and then they hole up by themselves yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, you got. You should go out every night and just and talk to people, talk to human beings. Well, you know what I have been finding is that actually the more, whenever I go away on stuff is when I have stuff to make jokes about. I realize when I'm going, fuck, I haven't written a new bit for a few weeks now. Why? Oh, because I haven't left my home. Yeah. There's nothing funny about, you know, a single comedian sitting at home jerking off for the fourth time in a row. That's not. That's well, not, that's a good bit, but it's a short bit. I mean, in video format, it could be quite amusing. Yeah. But it's a told, stolen joke. People are just like, oh, well, okay. Well, it was a, sorry, a told joke on stage. Yeah. People are just going to be like, mm, all right, bud. Well, that's the thing is I talk to a lot of comedians who they go out seven nights a week to do comedy. 
And they're like, you got to do it seven nights a week, seven nights a week, you know, like younger people. And I go, go, do yourself a favor, go out five nights a week, do comedy, go out two nights a week and have an actual life outside of comedians. Because otherwise you're just going to regurgitate everything everywhere the comedians doing. If you go out and you experience life in the real people's world, then you can talk about real people shit. And real things will happen to you. So, you know, I counteract that by in implementing day drinking early on in my comedy career. So I get all the adventures in the daytime. Then I can still go out seven nights a week and do comedy. Okay. Sometimes I'd slur, but you know, I did ketamine on stage once. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. My first ever, I ran my hour. First year that I ever wrote an hour. I ran it like, a, you know, like they do Edinburgh, pre-Edinburgh shows. Mm-hmm. And it was in a little club up, right up in the center of town, right next to a police station. And there were loads of police at the show. <coughs> and I did a fat fucking line of ketamine. And I went on stage and did a one hour of comedy. And it was probably about 10 minutes of what I had re- were you, written. Were you completely out of your body for this whole thing? Um, no, I wasn't completely out of my body. Like I was, there was, there was, there was, I, there was, I only tried it the first time th- two weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, don't get into that. That, that, fucking destroy it. what the damage it does to your liver and your kidneys is irreplaceable no just if some, somebody had it and I'm like I've never tried it let okay. me try it and I, it's not like I went all the way into the K-hole or anything it was just kind of like let's just take a little bit and see how you go and it, it was <sighs> I felt slightly disassociated from the physical world sure and if you got hurt you wouldn't have noticed it for instance like you wouldn't that's why they use it in hospitals someone gets their arm ripped off in a car it's crash it's a tranquilizer give you liquids ketamine so your brain and your body disassociate from each other yeah um, but yeah I've I don't know, I, when I used to do that years and years and years ago, I haven't touched it for fucking eight years or something. Since my friend died, Louise, this girl on the on the tattoo. Oh. She died of ketamine. So after that, it stopped everything uh, except weed. But she, um, but anyway, but that, that drug, I've had some fucking terrifying experiences on there. Really? Yeah, I had a time when we sat in Hoxton Square. You know, the, there's, so this is in London. In the east of London, there's a place called Hoxton. It's quite trendy now. In oh. East London, near Old Street, Shoreditch. There's a place called Hoxton. There's a square there. And we were still going from the night before. We'd done about, I'd probably done a, at least a gram to two grams of ketamine already at this point. Jesus and Christ. And a gram of coke. I did three key bombs. And at about seven in the morning, our dealer rode on a bicycle, who was also one of our friends, but she rode out with grams of ketamine for us. And I bought another gram. And I sat there and I was so <laughs> fucked up. We sat cross-legged in the middle of this park. People, Some people going to work seven in the morning. Yeah. And we sat in the middle of this park. And uh, I just went and went, did a huge bit. And then um, what I thought happened is that the next 10 minutes, everything happened in reverse. So I was looking at people and there was a guy walking his dog and he was around, you have rats, you have rats, and the dog's walking backwards and then people were talking to me and going, I have rats, you have rats, you have to what? And I'm saying shit like, I can't, I can't understand you, what's going on, blah, blah. Afterwards, when I came out of that K-hole and I, the next day, it took me fucking hours to come out properly. And then I called my friend, and I was like, yo, last night was fucked up. And she was like, you were freaking the fuck out. She goes, you sat there for 10 minutes, like, nothing and people were talking to you and you weren't responding and there was nothing but your eyes were open and you were like alive so mm-hmm. we just went eyes oh, just in a fucking k-hole or whatever and he said after <coughs> 10 minutes I apparently i came out and started saying all this crazy shit and then um what what turned out is i went to the doctor and he's going hook it up go hook it up it's all right you just go fucking- i just i just i just that's disgusting Keep that story was so good he's had to go and th- vomit halfway through it <laughs> get out that's probably the most disgusting thing I've ever done on anybody's podcast. I mean, it's amazing. I'm glad we captured it here. What was that? Was that the ketamine dropping down the back of your throat? I, I don't know. I've had this weird cough. All I think it's, I think it's all the smoke and everything. But go, smoke, go ahead to your cough. It might be the smoke from the fires. Yeah, yeah. Could also be drinking drugs. No, I haven't done any drugs. Dude, I don't want you to be on a fucking Make-A-Wish Foundation list, all right? No, no, no. Nobody's going to know. They're not They're going to give me a week to live. They're going to be like, oh, he just died. That's how heart attacks work. They're instant. 
Now, go back to your K-hole story. Sorry. I don't want you to die. Don't have a heart attack. I'm not going to die. Calm down. I just I coughed right. out a, a phlegm. All right. I went to the doctor. And I said, yo. People on the video are going to be like, this is just... <laughs> I mean, if you die... Uh, to, to be fair, though, if you did have a heart attack on this podcast... it would. It, do you know how many hits you get? Oh, I get so many views. Least, I'm not saying you have to. At I'm least my saying, family. I'm just saying if you like, <laughs> if you cared about me as a friend, you might consider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, please don't die. I'm not going to die. Well, do die. I had that cough, but now the, now nah, the coughing's done. I want you to die. Just back up. you got to clip that part out live, anyway. No, I'm never going to clip it out. We can't. We don't edit anything here. Okay. I don't want you to die, um, but I do. But I want you to die at the right time. Like die when you're about eh, 85. I want to do it on stage. I think that would be killer. Like Tommy, uh, Tommy Cooper did that. Is, is that the guy? British who, comedian. Yeah, yeah I he saw was, that. He was so Magician silly. guy? It was kind of, yeah, like the comedy yeah, yeah. was that he was terrible at magic, but then actually he was good at magic, blah, blah, blah. But he did all these jokes and yeah, he had a heart attack on stage. So people thought it was a joke. Because he was so, he used to do dumb shit like that all the time. People were applauding and laughing as they dragged his feet under the curtain <laughs> behind stage. And then were like, uh, Mr. Tommy Cooper has had a heart attack when taking the hospital. And they were still like, ha, 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 really? No, is that serious? Like house lights are on. They're like, this, this, he's, really, he's really committed to this bit. What a way to go out, though. And it's televised. Hearing I've seen the video. Laughter. Hearing laughter. It's uh. Anyway, I went to the doctor and I said, I recounted the story. I was like, yo, and everything happened backwards 10 minutes. We went... Oh, yeah. He said, what happened is you took so much ketamine that your brain stopped functioning but didn't die. So he said, what you did is you were in a stasis state. So your brain was processing what was happening, but you weren't able to react or have any cognitive experience of it. And he said, after like 10, 15 minutes, which is probably you in a deep, uh, you know, um, a deeply drugged up state of 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 whatever, you know, comatose, mm-hmm. you came out of it. And so your brain quickly ran through everything in reverse like it would in dreams, you know, with rapid eye movement. It's like recounting what oh, was yeah, happening. Yeah. So he said what you saw in reverse was your brain... Just processing the information. Processing it all quickly. And he said, so, yeah, that would be terrifying. And I was like, yeah, no, it was 100% terrifying. And he went, well, maybe don't do ketamine anymore. Yeah, but you know what the thing is? And now, I was like, now that- shut up, you fucking square. And I punched him in the dick and I walked out. Yeah. Grabbed some... Ketamine fucking, right out of his goddamn yeah, office. some needles. <laughs> some of them fucking sticks for the tongue. Just because I could. Yeah. Some rubber gloves. Yeah. Just for the ladies. I was like, you would have been way more interesting if you ditched out of medical school and become a comic like Bronson. <laughs> and he was like, who's that? And I was like, shut up. You'll find out in 10 years when I release a podcast. Actually, you want to know something funny is two different doctors have said to me when, uh, you know, the, like one doctor is just my GP and I was just going in to get checked up. Another one is the, uh, 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 I broke, I've broken my wrist and my thumb and How? Uh, uh, skateboarding and motorcycle accident. Oh, okay. And um, what it is is when, when you break your hand bones, you go, you don't go to orthopedist, you go to a plastic surgeon if they have to do surgery because it's such fine detailed work that yeah, they, they yeah, need yeah. somebody who's a really good you know, it's not just like, oh, put a cast on it. Yeah, like, man, no, we have to go have in and... dexterity. Put the, yeah, because you lose, you know, like I've lost some some thumb motion. Me too. I put a bottle through my hand. Look, you can see that scar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sliced right through my fucking hand. But, but two different doctors at Kaiser Permanente, when I was talking to them, and they were asking about my life history, and I was like, oh, you know, I went to Johns Hopkins. I was going to be a doctor, and I decided I didn't want to do that and do something else. They both went, you made a good choice. Like, really? <laughs> like, we, they literally were just like, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. As they're checking the fucking cholesterol yeah. levels and they're like, well, how much, how, wait, how much drugs have you had in your body? I guess I, so I signed up with Kaiser Permanente, I think it was 25, so 20 years ago. Okay. And they give you a, a they, you get one, like a general practitioner and you're supposed to see him if anything goes wrong. That's not like an emergency room thing. So I can recount my earliest statement. You're definitely not living the normal comedian's life. Well, back to, because you've got fucking health insurance. Well, bro. The, I mean, that this, in itself I told is, you I, for 20, for, for 18 years, I had a real job. I yeah, made real made money. Some bank, right? I used to make real money. That's, that's people are like, how do you not work? And I'm like, because I'm, I'm going through my, my retirement now. You know, I bought Apple at the right time and it's all gone. But, you know, so next week or next year, you'll see me working like a motherfucker. Yeah. But um, so I, I uh, go in at 25 to meet my, my you know, he's your kind of point, point of contact. And when I get in there, he may be two years older than me. And he's got kind of like long kind of hair that's kind of flopping over. And he just looks like he rolled right out of the sky bar, you know, when the sky bar was cool. Yeah. And I was like. I have no this idea what dude, the Sky Bar is. The Sky Bar is like one of the top trendy, trendy. Oh, in Sun- on Sunset. Yeah, yeah. It's a comedy store. Yeah. I do know what that is. And in, in the in the 90s when I moved here, it was the place. You know what I mean? Like, it's where, that's where, you know, Leo and, and Clooney like and those Viper guys were hanging out. the Viper rooms were cool back then, right? Yeah, the Viper room kind of lost it, like, right before I got there because Joaquin okay. died. And um, so, But Viper room used to be super huge because, uh, what's his name? Uh, Johnny Depp was one of the owners, but then Joaquin Phoenix died on their front front porch od yeah i believe so he and, sold uh, it. and so that was just kind of like well the, the there was the the rust the tarnish started happening some bad juju yeah but that the, but that's like a, a rock and roll club versus the sky bars all the sort of open air you know like the yeah elites. it's pretty ponce in it yeah it's very bougie, bougie you've never been in there that shocks me you've never been there oh no i've been there i've been okay. there that's why i was, I was yeah. like oh that's what that place is i mean they're for always for like after events like comedy yeah. central yeah, yeah. rose battle they have the off parties there or well, just just imagine back like in that. the day, Comedy Central wouldn't be allowed in there. Like, it, oh, wow, it, you okay. know what I mean? Like, it would be the elite, elite. Okay, you know, films would be having their rap party there, but only the top actors. Um, but he looked like he was that guy, right? And I was so good looking, right? And, yeah. and he was like, "Yeah, man, you made the right choice." When when I told him I quit medicine, and I was like, "This guy's so cool." And then I know other comics have this bit, so but it's a true story. That's why I don't do it on I don't do it on stage because I know I've seen someone else do something similar. Is he's he's they give you this chart and on the chart it tells you all the different like you know at thirty you should get a checkup every five years you're supposed to get it and it tells you like what you're supposed to start adding on to the mix yeah 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 and then down there it said at forty I was supposed to get my first uh, prostate exam yeah man and I swear to you I looked at it and looked up at it and went oh yeah <laughs> I was really kind of. Oh, you were excited about him? I was. He was so hot. He was me. so hot that I was like I had slightly a gay moment where I was like yeah he's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> my first asshole fingering is yeah. going to be done by this guy and I'm not angry about it yeah and then then the thing See, becomes I'm, you I'm, think about it all the time dude, you start going this is going to happen to me haven't, I was going to say you clearly haven't had enough of them I've had to have a few fingers in a butthole I had hemorrhoids once when I was younger because of yeah. coke and then I went and got checked recently because my dad has prostate cancer or had it and my granddad had it so you should get checked every five years or whatever yeah. or every, no, once a year sorry uh, after a certain age and I went in, and my chick was this tiny little Peruvian lady doctor. Mm. And I was like, "This is the best." She, ha- I saw her little hands, and I was like, "Delicate little, delicate, beautiful little fingers." You know, that's what you want in your ass. You don't want a big fucking. No, he wasn't a big guy, dude. Beautiful man. It was like you know, just imagine who's who's your who's your who's your man crush in the world of Hollywood. Um, that guy, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. He's a pretty big guy, though. He's a he's yeah he's six foot he's six foot three I think or six foot two and he's like you know quite a solid dude yeah but also apparently he'd probably like it because I the, I, the word on the street is that he's a, he's a homosexual actually see I've I've never heard anybody say that but everything about me makes me think that I have a friend who I was training with in the gym that. today his buddy 
fucked him. They fucked each other oh, okay. a few times. They were fucking each other for a while. And I think his, but his, which is great, good for him. Like, you know, and yeah. I get it. He's had a very successful career in Hollywood playing strapping tall men, but he's clearly got that, that beautiful, flamboyant, musical loving, you know, uh, triple threat, handsome, yeah. beautiful, well quaffed, well put together. Things that suggest this could be a gay man. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, uh, well, I mean, when, some, when somebody hosts the Tonys, I just make the assumption. Yeah. You just go, ah, yeah, that's it. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, there's a lot of rumors about... Uh, I'd let him put his finger in my asshole. Yeah. There's a lot of rumors about a lot of guys... <laughs> just a story. ...who are that sort of like... Who are that big in Hollywood and stuff. And I just go like this. I go, yeah, but they, they, I don't consider them gay. I think they just like... They just fuck anything. And anything would fuck them. And like, hey, why not? Let's just have fun. If someone gave you like... Um, so we're going to hook up on this podcast? Is that what's going to happen here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've already laid out some stuff afterwards, some toys. I... Um, <laughs> you stole those rubber gloves from your, your uh, doctor with the There you go. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm not going to use gloves, man. I'm just going to fucking... <laughs> Okay. Boom, get in there. You want to fill the calluses, right? <laughs> you want to fill these callous fingers as I grip the shaft. I'm getting very uncomfortable on this podcast. I, you're the one who suggested fucking each other. I, um... It's, you don't, don't tease me like that. For fuck's sake, Bronson. Follow through on your promise. You talk about it too much, you ruin the moment. You know what we're going to do after the podcast is that. This fucking... Here, pass me this beautiful thing. This is, by the way, I, I already gave him a shout-out on the last podcast, but this is just the purple tangy, which is... This is the only... This is the only crop of this weed ever grown and ever will be grown because it's a terrible yield plant but this the the weed itself is super fucking is smooth indica, and delicious uh, yeah it's a hybrid and then you got the uh and then you got the other one which is his that's his homegrown that big jar over there that's uh mm. which i obviously got a couple it, of double that but we're gonna smoke it, some fucking weed you know what's so you know i find so funny nowadays is i remember you know 10 years Old ago people falling over uh, 10 years ago oh, that's really funny actually i went to uh when i was in new york last time is we went my mom came up to town and we were just like we we're just looking for some place to eat somehow or another we end up at rockefeller center and they just opened the ice rink yep and when we were kids my mom and you know all the cousins and stuff we all went to go see that uh to eat yep. in that restaurant where you can you're right at the ice rink level mm-hmm. and so we just did it just for nostalgia and it was one of my favorite meals ever because basically it's like a fishbowl of people skating who can't like a couple people can really skate yeah, well. Yeah, and yeah. so you watch them. Like there's this one guy Ro- kind of old skating. No, there's ice skating. Like the ice rink just oh, opened up God. November first, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, so like there's this one guy. He's like probably 60s, 70s Asian dude, floppy hair, wears a suit. He look you know dressed kind of like he was like um, Frank Sinatra, like like one of those rap oh, yeah. guys. Oh, okay. And right. he ice dances and he has the biggest smile on his face and he's amazing. Like literally, you watch yeah, him. He like, does the backwards shit and the cross yeah. cross skates yeah. and all that. Everything. And then there's like this older kind of Guido looking dude who had a leather jacket on and he was new to ice dancing and, yeah. and he kept looking at himself in the reflection of himself in in I the window good. that we're looking hey, through. Check it out. Like it's not even it's not even a mirrored window, but it's just like reflective enough that he could watch himself yeah. and he's doing a lot of lip biting and going back and forth but it was so funny because mm. you're like he's performing directly for us like 10 feet away I love that like shit. And he knows you're watching but he's just forgetting he it he was staring in your eyes but my favorite thing was watching the people who couldn't skate and just watching them fall like I because I used to ice skate I used to be an ice hockey player okay. and I remembered how hard it was when you first start you know, when you're a little kid, it's fucking. It's a it's a workout, man. It's a workout yeah. for the the balance it's, and the ankles. It's the balance, the ankles. I said the I like knees. seeing old people fall over, and that's actually bullshit. I used to when I was a kid. It was funny to see older people fall over because you're like <laughs> people in authority yeah. fucking up. You're like, oh my god, teacher fucking tripped the way. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm older, and you realize it hurts. So far, I'm like, oh, that, that shit hurts. I don't. Yeah. Want, but it's when you see little kids fucking stack it, boom, and then because you know they're gonna bounce back up. Yeah, that shit. They have hilarious. no momentum. 
Yeah. It's even funnier if you're the one pushing them. Yeah. I just found it funny. I was, it was funny because a couple kids were like me. Like, I used, to, I used to get so frustrated if I couldn't ski right away, if I couldn't. Um, I remember, like, when I was learning how to ice ski or uh, snow ski, I remember something an instructor said to me because, you know, I was in a group lesson and I started, like, crying. And the teacher and the instructor goes, hey, man, your eyes are leaking. And it made me laugh, so I stopped. But it was like one of those things, it's so frustrating when you're yeah. a kid and you're just strapped into these skis, strapped into skates. But I was watching the kids who kept falling and getting up and smiling, falling, getting up and smiling. And I'm like, those kids are going to be amazing someday at yeah, everything yeah, they yeah. do because they they're not perfectionists. They're just like, fuck it, just get through let's this. Just go, let's do it, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so that was so to be fun. Said I the how we got there. Right? You know, something to be said for like a little study and practice. But ultimately, when you're a kid in the snow, you should just be throwing shit at each other. That's, yeah. Mm-mm. Well, there were also kids because once, you know, they start out with the clean ice, you know, like they Zamboni it. Yeah. And then as the as the two-hour session goes, it turns more and more powder. And the little kids were taking it and throwing it at each other. And I, I, just, I loved it. So I liked watching that. I, I forget how we got to that point in this conversation. But we're just thinking we of happier times. Happier times. Oh, when, you know, I, was, I was trying to say what's funny you to me now. You took your mum to the uh, ice skating rink. That's yeah, but it started it. with this is how 10 years ago. I yeah. said, what's funny? And you said, old people falling. That's how we went. There we go. Is you'd go into someone's house, and if you saw a bag of weed like this, you'd be like, oh, my God, that's incredible. And now you go into people's houses, and they got like 10 of these just laid up because yeah, it's, with it's, different shit, it's yeah. legal, and nobody gives a shit. It's just everywhere, and it's not like it's. it's I not actually like normally this. don't have flour like that. I normally just have oil, but it's because I went to my buddy's grow. You ever been to someone's like a re a no, I haven't. grow? <gasps> Next time I go up there, you should come with. You'd fucking. Oh, you don't smoke, I do. I might smoke there. I mean, it's, it's, it's not. No, it's, it's not that I never smoke. It's just that I don't smoke a lot. I like I eat edibles. Like, you're like you're like a I'll try anything twice kind of guy. Do you no, know what, what it mean? is? Like, my... Sure, I've never had a hot doctor put a finger in my ass, but I'll give it a go. And if he wants to do it twice, I'd probably go back. Well, if, if, I schedule appointments to make yeah, it happen. Six months. I pay for it. He. Uh, no, it's it's not that I don't smoke. It's that I don't do you crack jokes afterwards. Like, I don't hold me. Yeah, I'm like hold oh, me. using the whole fist there, doc. Yeah, you know, Fletch. Um, it's that when I smoke, I get so I get so high so fast that I get paranoid, and I don't enjoy that. Whereas when I eat an edible, is I know I'm going to get even higher, but I know I can't control it. And when it hits, it's going to hit, and I'm going to have to just ride it out. Edibles are like um, I probably have edibles maybe three times a week, but in the evenings when yeah. I'm just like I've done a really long day of work, I've got shit out of the way, and then I'll bang on a Netflix series, pop a little edible. Yeah. And then, you know, just pop it right up inside of my anus. And then I just like, mm. that's how I like to do it. Reverse edible. Yeah, you take it, you take it like, I, I want the ass to be eating it. You know what I mean? Because you, you take in more stuff through all the uh, blood vessels in your bum hole. So once you get over the fact there's sugar on it and stuff what, like that, and it's a little bit, you can really. What was that? What was that word from there. the uh, cannibal hearings? From the, the what, sorry? The, the. Kavanaugh hearings. Kavanaugh hearings. Oh, uh, brewskis. Was... What brewskis? He was talking about having some skis with the bros. Well, he's talking about how much he loves beer. Like, I love. Some, somebody put together a beer. clip. I like of how many times I like beer. I still like beer. And that's okay. That's okay. I like beer. Yeah. Can't he's... believe that guy is fucking in there. It's so funny. Somebody said it was like in 90 seconds he said the word beer 30 times. Yeah. But uh, there was some word that was in his yearbook that was all about basically pouring beer up your butt. Beer, goes, like a butt bong. Yeah, yeah. A beer butt bong. Yeah. Maybe one of your listeners can tweet that at me Who later. Who does that? Fucking frat boys. That's why you yeah. didn't join a frat house because it was a lot of like... Hob- that's It feels to me like it's some kind of homoerotic fucking shit. Putting... Don't get me wrong. There's like men... Young men do dumb shit to try and impress each other. Yeah. That's like jump off this thing or fucking neck it or, you know, do a handstand and take a bong. But then it gets to the other bit where I guarantee in these machismo groups... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's four or five guys who are closet homosexuals just going... 
you know, everyone's like, well, you know what we should do, bro? We should get a keg. Yeah, 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 let's get a keg. Let's get a keg. Yeah, you know what we should do? We should do, we should do fucking bongs on handstand. Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, you know what we should do? We should definitely stick one in our ass. <coughs> Let's no, it. no, but see, like, that's not how yeah, they go. No, that's, They're the, dude, sure. man, we're going to put it in your ass. Yeah. We're going to put it in your ass. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Well, you don't think I'll do it? I'll do it. I'll go I, first. I think, I'll I, do it. I think the closeted guys are the ones who act the most. The ones who act like they have all the testosterone. The ones who are always like trying to wrestle. You're yeah. like, whereas... It's like they're they're getting it's a secret, thrill out of it, wrestle naked, and they're the most hom- the most homophobic because they're afraid that they're gonna go there. Oh, and tough I always guys. say, I'm like, just go there, man. Fucking calm down, live your life. All tough Be guys, happy. just gay guys. Hell yeah! Wow. Hell yeah, dude. You've never figured Do you think that out. Bikers are like that, like like big burly. Depends. Are they one percent or MC it, bikers? Do you reckon they're it, all secret? You just want to like ah. no, no. There's giant, huge, masculine men who are calm. And those people are not. It's the ones who are always running around like, yeah, dude, let's fuck chicks. Let's go bang chicks. Let's bang chicks. Because they're trying to desperately prove that they're into girls. And they're yeah. trying to convince themselves over and over. So it's well, not necessarily because the guys... By definition, that means when I was a teenage boy, I was probably a homosexual. Well, you were at least interested in it, but it was it was irrational. Like, right? <laughs> I wasn't like that broy, but I was definitely very fixated on putting my penis inside of a vagina. As but did you talk as about it nonstop, incessantly? No, no, fuck no. But I did. I was. I. I no, of course only, you're, you're in obsessed the last with few it. Years is the first. In fact, I would say over the last five years is the first point in my life where I haven't viewed every attractive woman as someone who could be a potential lover. You know, if she wants to. Like I've, I've literally, I meet a girl and she's hot and immediately I just go, oh, I really want to have sex with her. And I hope she does too. And how do I charm her enough to make her want to go on a date with me and potentially come home and fuck me? And it's only in the last few years I've gone, I can't look at people like that, that simplistically anymore. Does that make sense? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like I have to go like, no, nah, I'm working with this girl on a fucking shoot and she's here because she well, wants to succeed in her job. Well, and she you're, wants you're... to be more successful. She's got no desire to fuck me. Yeah. And she's not here to do that. And I have look, to look at her in a different way as like a, just a colleague, not... As a um, human being? As an actual no, human being? No, I always being? seem as human being. I'm, I'm not disrespectful to people. I'm not yeah, like, yeah. hey, bitch, you want to fuck my dick? Like, I'm not like that. But I'm, I have to go... that What what I feel sexually is just a very simplistic, animalistic, two-dimensional fucking part of me. Yeah. And I've found out that some of the hottest women I've ever slept with turned out to be fucking assholes. So it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so actually I should get to know this person, find out what they are as a person, what do they want to do with their lives? Because that's going to be more influential now. It's just an older man way of looking at women, I think. I think I think it's also that you've, you've done enough damage to yourself in your life and you've had it. Well, women have like, done enough damage to me, yeah. No, you did it because you brought them in. No, you brought no, them in too early. It's entirely their fault, Bronson. Don't yeah, try yeah. and put this on me. Well, that's the thing is like because I like a lot of people don't know this about me. I had a fourteen and a half year relationship with a woman. We were together from uh, twenty one to thirty five. That's quite long. And man. Uh, that's formative years. Well, how did yeah. that kick off? College. Uh, basically, she was in a, a group of uh, She's five women. Beer bong in your butt. Five women who lived in a apartment or a house next to five guys. And it became that it was over summer. And basically, if nobody was in our house, everybody was in their house and vice versa. Like, we were just Sounds all like a best, cheesy best Disney friends. Movie. Seven, five brides for five, yeah. five bros for five. Yeah. And so there was, there was a lot of boyfriend girlfriends that Babes. ended up out of there, but she and I ended up together for 14 and a half years. What she, she, and she's she still, do? she works for like the UN and writes all these policy papers. We broke up because she moved to Africa to save the planet and I wanted to stay here. They're like, oh, and work in entertainment. God, comedy sucks in Africa. And she's no. Well, I, this is before comedy. This was when I was still doing film. Okay. And um, you could have been the biggest Nollywood director of all time. Yeah, bro. Like, actually, actually, the irony is she moved. She moved to Tanzania, and I had already been to Tanzania because I was there my first year here in 1995 on a film shoot. Really? Like 
second or third job I had that? in Los Angeles. I miss her as a friend. Like she's my best friend I'll ever make. We don't have to talk about her because she's on every podcast. Because once people ask me about my life story, she's a massive part of it. Wow. But um, yeah, she's still my best friend. Her like uh, her kids that went like when I see pictures of them, they look like my nieces. You know what I mean? Like the, the just she will be my That's she's, the she's family. Part of your brain going. Oh, I wish I feel like that. Could, those could have been my kids. She's family. So what I'm saying is, my life was in order then, but then after we broke up, my life went into chaos. Oh, you moved on that quite quickly. Well, it's, it's, the, the thing is, we don't have to talk about her. Every single podcast she's, that I'm Do on, you miss this ends up that relationship. Do you lament there's, not being there's, in that relationship? Anymore? There's parts that I miss. I miss the stability, and I think that's actually why I was so career and driven and focused back then. It's because that part of my life was checked off. Gave you some structure. Whereas, in the, yeah, it gave me structure. It, it forced me. I was accountable to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm not accountable to anybody, which means I don't necessarily have to do anything. Yeah. Nobody needs me to do stand-up comedy. I need it, but nobody else gives a shit if you're I do You're accountable it. to me and my listeners. Yeah. You have a duty Well, that's why, that's why I got out of bed at 1.30. If you die before 8.5, I'm going to turn to your funeral. I hope it's open casket, and I'm just going to punch you in the face. How long is this goddamn podcast? How long have we been doing this? An hour and seven minutes so far. We're going to okay. wrap in the next couple of minutes. Now you point it out it's weird it's awkward now <laughs> now you're gonna have gonna to wrap edit. it up <laughs> oh i'm not doing any editing i don't edit any of these i want it to be a nice conversation like one of the previous ones um brian moses and i did two back to back because the first one fucked up the video and it didn't record oh. um and so we did two back to back and at yeah. the end of the second podcast he was like i preferred the first podcast <laughs> <laughs> so i released both but I, I left that in because i think the listeners you know the listeners yeah. They want to have a real friendship with you. They want to understand. You weren't supposed to actually say the time. I was just supposed to say it, and they could look on their own phones. Now they, now that you said it, it's awkward. Well, it's a minute eight and a half now. You're not, you're not helping the situation. Yeah. If anything, you're let's get back. Getting, to, all right. So now we got to get back to my life story, right? Well, just a little bit. Like I just want to know. Like it's, it's interesting when people have. I had a relationship for five years, which yeah. you know about. I think you met me yeah, yeah. during that relationship. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and whilst I don't lament some of the things that came out of it, like raising someone else's child, I love doing that and. That little girl is a, is an absolute fucking princess. I hope she grows up to be a wonderful person. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I like loving someone. I like caring about someone else. But there was ninety percent of that relationship. I just go, ah, oh, you fucking did me over. Like you ruined me. And yeah. I so I don't miss it in any way, shape, or form. But you know, sometimes people go like. There is something very alluring to people whose life can be quite chaotic and from one thing to the next, living, you know, how to yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking rock and roll adventures to going, oh, oh someone who loves oh. me, I can go home and fuck and then we can watch a movie. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah. I, picnic well, on a Sunday? I'm not saying every every day was like like paradise because obviously in a relationship yeah. that long. But it is like there's stability, whereas now I'm like, I, 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 every time... I think the thing is we were talking about crazy women coming in, in and out of your life. And since then, I went into the single mode where I, I've had three one-year relationships that were all very, very chaotic. Yeah. And then the rest have all been like like dating somebody for a weekend or, you know, like hook, hook, <laughs> hooking up with people you when they're in town. That's cool. No, that's called fucking someone. That's twice. what I'm talking about. Well, that's what I'm talking about where it's like, it's like, or somebody's repeat visitor in town or one night stands and stuff. And every now and then I'm like, oh, why, you can't, like a fuck why can't I find, I, love that. Like a sex, I did, but I don't anymore. B&B. I did, but now it's like now that I'm I'm, I'm burned through that the way you have. Maybe my testosterone's whoa, falling. Whoa, whoa, I'm whoa, like, relax, relax. I'm where still, I'm like my Airbnb, my sex B and B still open. If anyone's interested in taking, yeah, it. come check out, come check out the red and black <laughs> checkerboard. I got weed. I got like what more do they want? I got tea. I make tea for. You people. got video games. I got video games. I got tea. I got a beautiful bed. California King, mate. Yeah, you know we what? still might fuck off this. You realize that? Like once you look. Oh, the California bedroom, King. I love California King. Is there a mattress top? There's like, enough is room it, for is me a foam top? and you. To stretch out. On oh, I know. Bed. I know how big California kings are. And I could be the little spoon. For I had the first one for 15 years of my, my life. Oh, you would be the tiny spoon. 
Well, I'd be, I'd be the six foot four spoon, but I'd definitely, I'd, I'd make myself smaller so I could feel your big arms around me. Mm. But you'd have to like, you know, I had, I want to. <laughs> fucking weird. How far are you? If, Come on, keep in private. No, I'm going to keep going this. with it. No, what I'd, what I'd want you to do is as you hold me, I'd want you to like do like a low mountain man song, but like it's just humming. So it'd be like. So I can just feel the bassy vibration of your bassy voice on the back of my neck as your big, Pro- strong, hairy arms hold me. You in. probably know that because probably women, because your voice is as deep as mine. Is is so many times women are like, I just want to hear your voice, and I think there is something about having a deep, deep voice yeah, that they, they can feel vibrating their they can clitoris feel that. from up top. I, I I mean, when I go down on a woman, I don't even use my tongue. I just go oh oh. I try I, and make the sound of like slaves rowing a boat, like slaves rowing a ship. Oh, I have one. I don't know if you call her an ex, whatever. <laughs> now I'm talking like Greek slaves, so they could be white guys as well. These are not black slaves. These are like predominantly, you know, just just lower class slaves mm-hmm. rowing a boat, a galleon, maybe just Vikings, like Vikings. Just, yeah, make, make, make it slaves. Vikings. Slaves was a poor choice of word. Yeah. I want a couple of fucking deep voiced Vikings channeled through my lips, mm-hmm. and I hey, song. I let the lips vibrate, and they're like a hair's breadth away from the clitoris, mm-hmm. so that she can. And you do that for like a solid 20 to 23 minutes. And at the end, you just go, and it's that fucking sun change that that's it. Boom, squirts everywhere. Boom, gotta change the sheets, but it's worth it. Oh, yeah. Make you happy. So if you do that on the back of my neck, oh, bro, I'm gonna be stiff. Yeah. And I'll touch your bunghole while I do it. Well, just taps, just little taps. Come on, no, let's keep it fucking. Let's keep it PG thirteen. Kind of one of those one of those movies you get on late night channels that are not quite porn, but there is like a like the sex scene went on a little long. You know what I mean? Like you saw a nipple. Oh, are you gonna do the thing where you push your butt back? That's that's my favorite thing when you cuddle a girl. When she arches into you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's like it's like a physical sign of consent. Down there. There it is. Right. Do it, Daddy. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why it sounds like some kind of tribe song now. It's kind of gone a little bit tribal. But it's, what you're doing yeah. is quite tribal. It's very, very like, it's very human and tribal, isn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm going to fuck your butt. Oh, I'm going to make your clitoris. Oh, <laughs> this is the I'm worst musical I've ever been part of. Right. He's staring me in the eyes, everybody. It's making me scared. Hashtag, I think it's going to be me too. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. Okay. All right, so what you got coming up? <laughs> My dick, apparently. Your dick? You, uh, got, um, you run a club, which is uh, every single week on a Wednesday evening. Every Wednesday night at the Venice Townhouse down in the basement, which is the Del Monte Speakey. Speakeasy, an actual historic speakeasy from our days of prohibition. It's a beautiful bar, and like cool. upstairs they make really good cocktails. There, they have this like the lower level where the comedy happens is like a low ceiling. They have burlesque yeah. directly after the comedy. It's a, it's show. a proper cellar or basement, and it's free entry. But yep. it gets every time it's sold out and packed. So you have to get there before nine o'clock. You have to get there down there. Get there at nine. We hand out wristbands. Start show at nine thirty. The once the wristbands are done, you're out because okay. otherwise, like we. Before we did the wristbands, the place used to get so full, it would actually ruin the show. If anyone's so, coming to Los Angeles actually for a holiday, I yeah. recommend, or visiting out of state or whatever, or you're a local, go 
in the daytime, go in the afternoon to Hinano Cafe, have one of their burgers, mm-hmm. then roll over about eight o'clock to the Del Monte Speakeasy, have a couple of cocktails upstairs. Yeah. At nine, go downstairs, watch the comedy show. And your comics as well, even though it's a free show, this is not like an open mic. These no, are no, like, this is it's all... five or six pro comics. Yeah, it's all pros. You know who I've Everybody's seen down there who I perform with twice? It's the only place I've ever performed with him. Yeah. Brian Callen. Brian Callen's there a lot. Uh, he's my fa- he's my favorite Fucking comedian to watch. I want to get him on the podcast. Are you friends with him? Yeah. You are. All right, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how close we are, but ah, yeah. are you, you know what I mean. Like, I don't know like, if I'm hey, close my, enough to ask him to do your podcast. My or buddy Jeff does a podcast. Well, I've got Chris D'Elia coming on tomorrow. Oh, then yeah, ask Chris to do it because they're tight, 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 tight. I don't tight, want to tight, ask tight, Chris tight, any favors. Okay. No. Whereas I feel like you could send him a little once, message and go, once, "Hey, once, Chris just did it." We'll talk about this offer. No, let's talk about it on air. This is what the listeners want. Once Chris does it, then I can be like, "Yo, what if he hates it?" Well. What if I? So you and Chris have sex. If Chris and I had sex, it would look like two people fucking the same person. We're kind of. I keep getting. Oh, you lie me, Chris Delia. That's my new. That's the new insult people give me, which is like, bro, you're comparing me to one of the comics that I respect in the industry most at the moment, who's incredibly successful, just fucking sold out Carnegie Hall, like, and what? I'm gonna be assaulted by that. I used to get angry with Russell Brand because Russell Brand is a fucking cunt. Yeah, but he's also like he's. I don't know. Like he's he's a crazy person. He knows how to he knows how to make his own hype. He's a manipulative, two faced piece of shit, and I want to fight him in the fucking octagon. Wow, Russell Brand. I, somebody's a little jealous. Yeah, somebody's a little jealous of Russell Brand. Definitely. You know what I'm not jealous about? It's not jealousy per se. The it's I had a BBC Six radio a BBC Radio Six music show like show comedy yeah. show for BBC Six Music yeah. which did a lot of comedy shows okay. to, Peter Serafinowicz Russell Brand uh, Adam and Joe all these shows have been on there and I had one in development with the head of BBC Six Music he used and to then, be really successful what happened yeah and then <laughs> Russell Brand is a huge part of why I had a bit of a dip in my, my career dude, really I'm not, dude I'm not even joking I was with the same agent as him so the guy doing all my deals was a guy who looked after Russell Brand. So as soon as Russell upset everyone in England by phoning up one of our... He basically phoned up like a comedy hero, you know, Gil- Gilbert Godfrey, <coughs> and on a radio show, and him and Jonathan Ross, a TV presenter back there, said, hey, left a voicemail being like, blah, 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 who was going on? And then at some point, Russell was like, oh, oh I fucked your granddaughter, blah, 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 which is a thing he did. And he said that. Oh, anyway, I remember hearing something he got about that. He kicked off BBC Six Music, or actually he re- he resigned before they could kick him off. Yeah. Because of that, BBC Six Music was in trouble whether they were going to k- get their get their Ofcom license back. I lost my radio show. The radio show that we've been de- developing for a couple of months just got thrown out the window. Yeah. The guy was like, I'm so sorry, I can't do anything with you. You literally are signed to the same agent. You wear skinny jeans, have long hair, you make comedy that is at least, uh, to the industry, you look like a new Russell brand. And you've done that. I was presenting Big Brother's Big Mouth, which is the show that launched Russell. So he lost me that fucking job. Then I came to LA and he cunted me at a fucking dinner out here before I was in comedy. This was years ago when yeah. I looked up to him and really quite idolized yeah. what his, he was. I felt empathy with him. Um, he and, did what and he's dinner? hurt like a number of my closest friends. He's hurt in comedy. He like just he really hurt people. He sold scripts that people had written with him to Adam Sandler, never gave him the money, never gave his writing partner the money. He's a scumbag. He's a fucking scumbag. Um, but yeah. I am also jealous that cunt got an opportunity of success out here. Fucked it up as well because he was such an arsehole. And I was like, that could have been me instead. Yeah. So all i got to wait for now is Chris D'Elia to fucking, I don't know, call up a child and call him a piece of shit yeah. <laughs> on his podcast. And then I'll be like, oh, great. Now everyone hates long-haired, tall, you know, 
white dudes with scraggly beards out here as well. Fuck it. I'll yeah. just go to... Th- that's when I go or to maybe, Africa. Maybe you cut start. your hair. You cut your hair short. No, after that, we move to Africa. And me and you, we just start fucking the biggest comedy in Africa. Okay. And it's called Two White Guys. Two White Guys. Two White Guys. But we can do the accent because it's okay. Because it's just an accent. Yeah. Two White Guys. And it'll be like a, a, a Nigerian hit comedy show about two white guys who moved to Africa. And are always like, ooh. They're always the butt of the joke because they don't get African culture. Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? Okay, yeah, that makes I'd sense. I'd be like, hey, nice outfit, Nuhulu. And you'd be like, it's not an outfit. This is for my wedding. <laughs> Cue can laugh that. Oh. Ooh, ooh, wah, wah, wah. Sorry. Uh, Boom. We go to the wedding. We both fuck sorry, super I, hot African chicks. Okay. And then they become our girlfriends. And then they're always making jokes about their white boyfriends being super white. And then how many seasons in when the show gets ruined because we have a child that we add into the mix? Kids always ruin TV series. Never put a child in a TV series. Yeah. Never. You can have a pet. You can have a dog. Work for Frasier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although in Africa, I don't know what the fuck it would be, like a capuchin monkey. I don't know. What, what's like a... What's like a <laughs> I'm sure they just still have cats and dogs. But what's like yeah, a... Yeah, well, you've, you've been to third world, like third world countries. They, they don't all have like the same... They have the same countries. exact dog, which is that they have the middle-sized brown dogs. Mongrel. It's in, and like, I don't care if you're in... Missing an ear. Mexico, if you're in Thailand, or if you're in Africa, those dogs are everywhere. Because that is sort of like the, the mixed breed of mixed breeds of mixed oh, breeds of mixed yeah, breeds. Yeah, they're just on the street. Street yeah. dogs. Street dogs. And they all, almost all of them look exactly but alike. Would be like and I think they're the cutest pet. dogs ever. Like Friends, he had the little monkey, didn't he? He had Marcel the monkey. Yeah, yeah. Marcella. So what, what, what would be the, what would be the African Well, we'd probably, we'd probably have like, like, when we'd go to the window, a giraffe would stick its head in all the time. Giraffes kind of talk are adorable. To us. Yeah, yeah. This is why you would uh-huh. have to be producer on this because you'd come up with things like giraffe. I was going to go leopard, but no one finds a leopard funny. But a giraffe that pokes his head in the window every now and then goes, mm-hmm. that's fucking And they get those adorable. long black tongues. Adorable. And at some point, one of us dumps our girlfriend because we're having a secret affair with a giraffe. Oh, or no, one of the girlfriends dumped us because they have they have twelve inch tongues. Because that tongue. Yeah. There we go. That's, That's a great it. way to finish this podcast. That is beautiful, man. Let's get to writing now. <laughs> twelve inch giraffe. We're gonna we're gonna smoke some weed and write this right now. Um, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks, dude. You know what's beautiful about this? I've known you for years, yeah. years. Yeah. Didn't know half the shit you just told me. I like- you know what we didn't put in this podcast that I want to put in is how I met you. Okay. Is I met you because I was in Edinburgh, and I can tell you exactly where we were. We were in the Gilded Balloon, right? And we were on the uh, staircases between the, that go from the floor level downstairs to where the bathrooms are. Okay, yeah, yeah. You were there with your girlfriend at the time, and the reason I stopped you is because I'd seen your poster around the one where you're kind of naked, holding your your ha- your hands Over in front my of you, crotch, yeah. And you had a ring on that I owned. I owned the Jester skull ring, and I saw it in your posters. And then when I saw you, I'm like, "Hey, you're you're Dude, Jeff you Leach, right? That, you got that ring." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, I designed it for my buddy's company." Yeah. And so like we had that. So that's why I remember exactly where you were Me, because you, I remember that conversation. Uh, Dante Nero's got one now. Yep, I saw Dante. Who else? There's, I think there's another comic who has it who told me they have it. Oh, uh, Jason Rouse might have one as well. There's like a few of us who yeah. have it now. Yeah, Jason Rouse has got one too. Does he? Yeah. 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 And it's because it's a comedian. It's a little jester's hat, and then it has the rough because of the, uh, the actor. Well, do you so know why I bought it? It's why? My mom's maiden name is Jester. Are you serious? Yeah, like, so I come from, like, you know, I never really thought about this until, like, a few years into comedy, especially once I got into very political stuff, as I realized you that. You should be Bronson Jester. I'm following my, I'm following my DNA, which is my DNA is to scream at, at the, those in power. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But that's so, why I bought it. Make for them the, ridicule, ridicule yeah. those in power. So the people can see how ridiculous they are. Yeah. So my brother's middle name actually is Jester. Like, uh, nah. That's cool so, as fuck. And so in college, except he, he when got you're to a go, child at school, he got no, he, <laughs> like well, nobody awful. knew it until college. Somebody figured it out, so they just started calling him that. Which fuck? Why didn't I get that middle name? The Chester Jester, because he used to yeah. get like with the ladies. 
Yeah. Jester the Just Molester. Let's let's leave the molester out of it. So Bronson Jones, thank you very much. If people want to find out where you're performing, um, what's the best way on social media to find you at? I am on all social media at Bronston Jones. B-R-O-N-S-T-O-N-J-O-N-E-S. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that business. And also, please go down and support the live comedy, which... Yeah, like everyone's say, in it. It's fucking amazing. I'm not saying please, because it's, it's always sold out. It's always packed. Yeah. It's free entry, but if you don't get there at nine, you will not get in. Um, but it's every Wednesday down at the Venice Townhouse, That's down in Venice, right on the beach. It's and- all working pros, and every now and then we throw in a young kid who I just just like, and I just want to give him a shot. There you go, man. You know? well, thank you very much, brother. Thank you, dude. I look forward to uh, what's going to be the name of our of our of our African sitcom. Well, we should kind of name it like Bosom Buddies, but but with uh, with a uh, African bent. Bosom Buddies. <laughs> bosom Buddies the Bosom. <laughs> Buddy of, buddies of booze. Let's call it the two spoons. Who spoons who? Two spoons. Done. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time. Eh.